Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. In a one-hit thunder first, we're talking about an instrumental song that reached the number one spot on the Billboard charts. My buddy Jeff Wendell came on the show with the goal to discuss a song that feels like it always existed, and he succeeded. Vangelis' theme for Chariots of Fire was released in 1981, but has lived on in parodies, Olympic highlight reels, and slow-motion running montages ever since. But is this synthesizer heavy piece worthy of the acclaim? We'll decide this week on One Hit Thunder. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties So, Jeff, you are here for the first ever instrumental one-hit thunder. We are here today to talk about Vangelis's Chariots of Fire, which was actually just the main theme from the film Chariots of Fire, which I've never seen, but everybody knows this song. First question is, why did you choose this song? I was trying really hard to think of something that was like, happy birthday, or okay. like a song that like everybody knows and like what is a song that we can like sh- shed light on that doesn't really 
get enough like attention for how epic it is. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I dove into Vangelis. I didn't know a lot about Vangelis. Did you know a lot about this dude before you picked this song? No, I, I went through playlists of like one hit wonders and then made like a short list and then narrowed from there. And it, it was just like, I, I liked how it was, like I said, like the happy birthday kind of feel where I was just like, you know what? How does everybody know this? What is this thing? I would be very surprised if there's anybody listening. See, I didn't know what it was when Matt first told me that that's what we were doing. And then the second I heard one second of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I know this. This is this is the soundtrack to everyone running in slow motion for the past <laughs> for the past 40 years or so. Right. That that's Pretty basically much. what this is. Yeah, every movie scene, like someone running or the opening to anything, any Olympic games ever. I was gonna say this has really been co-opted yeah. by the oh, Olympics yeah. in the last couple of yes, years. It is, it is very <laughs> Olympics, but it is written by a guy who most definitely looks like he would never be in the Olympics. <laughs> He's I, basically I watched a lot of music videos and interviews with this guy, and he looks like an older version of Zach Galifianakis. Like if they were doing a movie about this guy, Zach Galifianakis would be the first guy that I would pick to play him. He's the Greekest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> he was he was raised in <laughs> Athens. His father's name is Odysseus and his brother's name is Nikos. And on all the interviews I watched of this guy, I've never seen a guy take music more seriously than this guy. <laughs> it makes you wonder how he feels about the fact that his biggest song is almost exclusively exclusively used for yeah. parody at this point. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that can be said. I watched Mr. Bean sort of perform this song at the 2012 <laughs> London Olympics opening where he just played the synth note or acted like he was playing the one note synth part of this song the entire time and then he did his Mr. Bean type funny faces and blowing his nose and <laughs> I was very excited that we got to talk yeah. about Mr. Bean on this episode <laughs> that was it was very important yeah. to me that that came up Jeff you a beanhead oh yeah who doesn't love that guy <laughs> yeah big beanhead over here you know something I you know and Vangelis really has been known for scoring very epic films like Blade Runner, and he did the opening theme of Carl Sagan's Cosmos, and uh, yeah, he he's definitely blended the world of like classical music and electronic music. I think he's one of the most famous electronic musicians ever. Is what what I found out about him. What I think was the most interesting thing for this particular artist is like I just went on Spotify and hit shuffle on his playlist, which has a lot to pull from because the man has done over 20 albums in like the 50 year span that he's been making music. And it's like this electronica music, but it's also really relaxing. Like, do you remember the when you were a kid and you'd watch like late night television and you'd see the infomercial for like pure moods? Like, I feel like he wrote music for pure moods. This song's definitely a whole vibe. I would say <laughs> yeah. is how, is how I could describe yeah. it. So relaxing, you know, I've listened to it like a thousand times now. I think the synth thing is pretty cool though. I, I was reading that he said like the main reason for that is because it was like 1981 or 1982 when the film came out. So he was, but it was the movie set in like 1924. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to like blend and make it like, you know, relevant to the movie and relevant to the present day. Right. Right. Oh, that makes, that makes sense. 
That's pretty cool. That was a big thing in the 80s, I feel like. Like, I think the 80s did that a lot because I think of like something like Dirty Dancing, where it's like half of that movie, you do have like authentic era appropriate 50s rock, and then you have like Hungry Eyes, which is definitely not <laughs> like sounding like it was from the 50s even a little bit. Speaking of that 80s sound, Jeff, one of the things that I really dug into in researching this episode was the synth that was used in this song and that Vangelis, I think, made really famous and other people, you know, took note of that was the Yamaha CS80. Do you know anything about the Yamaha CS80? I don't, but I would love to. (laughs) Basically, I was looking them up on Reverb to see how much a Yamaha CS80 would run. And the one that I saw for sale on there was discounted by $31,000 and was on sale for $69,000. Oh, wow. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah. And I think on average, they're usually around 15 to 20 grand, but maybe they're in short supply. But it is like a 200 pound synth. And it was used famously on some songs. Now, it wasn't used in a lot of pop music but the ones that it was used in were heavy hitters it was used on bruce springsteen's born in the usa that's the synth sound you hear in that song wow michael jackson's human nature which uh, yeah and also billy jean and then both rosanna and africa by toto and so That is the synth sound that you're hearing. And I watched demos of it. And yeah, if you know how to use this thing, and it's very, it seems like there's a lot to it. And depending on how hard you hit the keys, you know, changes the way it sounds. And it has a million different switches and uh, whatever on it. It looks very complex to use, but I think you could do a whole lot with it, you know, and it has a very distinct sound. We should all go in on one. Yeah, do you want to, let's get 69 people to each put a, a grand on one. We'll go in on a, a CS80. <laughs> Be like that Simpsons episode where they all buy the first Radioactive Man comic and then fight over who gets to keep it. <laughs> but it paid off for Vangelis, I got to say, because this song, and I can't imagine this happening now, this song was a number one hit. It's an instrumental number one hit. How is that possible? I was thinking the same thing. I think that again is the 80s because remember we talked about how like the Miami Vice theme song was like a top 10 hit at one point. It may have even hit number one. Like the 80s was all about those instrumental radio jams. Can we, while you're bringing that up, because it was only number one for one week, but we got to talk about 1986 because there was some crazy good songs on the chart that particular day. So... It peaked on May 8th, 1982. It unseated Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll, which was on its seventh week of being the number one song in America. Also on the charts was Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, which would then also become a seven-week number one song. Don't Talk to Strangers by Rick Springfield did not get to number one. It peaked out at number four. Freeze Frame by Jay Giles Band, who also, that was not a number one hit song, but their previous single, Centerfold, spent six weeks at number one. Tommy Two Tones, 8675309 was on the charts, and we got the beat by the Go-Go's. That was very similar to uh, last week's episode with Gautier. It was just like that spring and summer where every single song that was on the charts was like l- lingering at number one. 
except for the Chariots of Fire theme. It got its one week, and then it was promptly <laughs> dropped by Stevie well, and Paul McCartney. Well, I'm impressed that an instrumental opening opening theme to a movie unseated or topped Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder, which seems like number one guaranteed regardless of the song. I don't think it's either of their <laughs> even near their best song individually, but you know, put those two together. You think that's automatic number one. Yeah. And a lot of these songs, I mean, especially, you know, eight, six, seven, five, three Oh nine. And we got the beat. Those are iconic early eighties songs that are being beat out by an instrumental epic opening theme song <laughs> even freeze frame man freeze frame is one of those ones that i think you low-key forget is such a good jay giles band song because you usually think of centerfold and love stinks but who doesn't love doing the freeze frame freeze frame freeze frame, freeze frame. Uh, me, like... but <laughs> this guy you know he took his music very seriously and i think that it connected with people when I was watching these interviews of him. Well, first of all, let me start with the music video for Chariots of Fire, which is it's basically the movie screen of him watching scenes from Chariot of Fire and scoring it, playing everything one by one while smoking a cigarette. <laughs> he, is, he is just playing everything and scoring this while watching the film, which is what you would do. Seems like a fun thing to do. But in these interviews with him, he said so many things where I was like, wow, the most Greek dude ever saying, you know, I did make fun of him a little bit saying that like he doesn't look like an athlete whatsoever, but he said that he works like an athlete when it comes to making music. He said that <laughs> music is the strongest thing. It is the strongest oxygen. And he said that music made you. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right, maybe it, it did. He said, it's what makes the universe move. It's what shapes the universe. And he doesn't think we can do better than music. <laughs> and and I, I, I never really thought about it that way. Jeff, what do you think? Do you think music is the strongest thing? Yeah, he's on to something. I mean, you know, hmm. it, it says that, you know, he, he seems pretty serious. You know, he played everything himself. You know what I mean? This guy's mm -hmm. he probably probably is that serious about it. And, and just nothing could ever matter more in all of time to this guy. He comes off from like some of the stuff I read also is one of those dudes who like cares more about the art than the money. I, I saw that like even when Chariots of Fire, like it hit number one, it, you know, this soundtrack was doing amazing. He kind of still avoided doing film scores unless the movie or the director excited him. He actually would rather spend his energy doing the scores for like animal documentaries and stage shows. So it's like that he's he's leaving a ton of money on the table essentially to kind of follow what interests him creatively more than just like popping out what could be some easy work for a big paycheck. Yeah, that's true. I think that's cool. I don't know his financial situation. He may have been loaded by then, Matt. He may yeah, have, that is he true. May, he may have been able to pick and choose. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to dig a little bit deeper into this because when I was watching these Vangelis, and I do believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly because at first I thought it was Vangelis. <laughs> but I do believe it's Vangelis. I think that as a guy who doesn't believe in anything and doesn't believe in magic or anything like that, I think music might be about the closest thing to it. Like, yeah. what about these combinations of sounds 
can make us feel so much, especially when we're talking about a song like this. There's no lyrics. It's not like you're reading the poetry of the lyrics and connecting to that. You're connecting purely to a sound and it's making you feel something. Yeah. There's certain songs where it's like, I don't even necessarily like the song that much, but it still hits you like, a band that I thought for sure would have been someone we would be talking about on One Hit Thunder one day, but then they just managed to continue to have hits. Bastille had that song Pompeii, and like, I don't want to like that band, and I don't want to like that song, but like, I still feel something whenever that, so when you close your eyes part hits in, and like all the drums and like the, the chanting kicks in, it's like, man, sometimes you just you find all the right pieces and it just like works. I jokingly made the reference to Pure Moods, but like I have been weirdly on an Enya kick in the last like couple months because it is like a very soothing, like if you're going to sit down and meditate and you want something to like really soothe you out, like you can't do much better than some Enya. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Hey guys, it's Matt. Just interrupting the episode real fast to say, hey, do you like coffee? I know Chris and I do. So if you're a fan of coffee, how about you head over to rootlesscoffee.com, which you may remember is run by past guest Jono, and get yourself a bag of some coffee grinds. If you use the promo code OHT, all caps, 10, you will get 10% off your purchase and a little bit of that money will come back to Chris and I. So it's a great way to help support the show and get a great cup of coffee. And now, back to the episode. Do you personally like this Chariots of Fire song? Oh, yeah. 
I think it's a good song. I, I had this downloaded very rarely delete music from my computer. So like if I download a song or if I buy an album and I upload it on there, like it's it's there forever. But I'm pretty sure that Chariots of Fire song was like one of the first songs I ever put on this computer. I think I needed it for like a video. Like I was editing a video and I was like, oh, this will be the right song for it. And then I was just like, it's a good jam. I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> like, like when the video was done, I was like, I'll hold on to this. You never know when I need it. Have you seen this movie? Uh, last night. So last night I watched probably about an hour's worth and then it was getting really late. So I just skipped to the end to hear the song. again. Oh. <laughs> I, nice. I, try. I guess it's a good movie, right? It's about the Olympics. I yeah, believe. it's about like it's like 1920s, like two guys that like go to the Olympics. Basically. Yeah, I, I, I phoned it in, you know, uh, just last night I was trying yeah. to get a feel for it. And it's, you know, the way it is, like the way everybody speaks and everything is like really hard to follow, at least for me. And yeah, they play the song twice in the beginning. They're like running on a beach. And then again, at the end, they're again running on a beach and they play the song again. <laughs> That's all I need to know about it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because like, obviously, I know that this has been used time and time again in movies. And then like I went to like I was like, by memory, I'll write down a few examples. And I could not think of a single one and i know that i've seen it a million times but like my brain has just completely evaporated any of the the comedic versions of this song being used yeah my favorite one is um i always think of with this is old school the movie old school where will ferrell is is doing the uh, twirling stuff vince vaughn is smoking on yes. that hand bars whatever those are the the rings yeah and they played over all that stuff in old school that's such a good one i'm going out of my way to not try to pronounce his actual god-given name because <laughs> I... oh yeah we didn't even try to do that the guy's name <laughs> is actually Ev evangelis odysseus papatha papathanasau <laughs> that is incredible evangel let me try it one more time evangelos Odysseus Papathanasiou. Yeah, that sounds right. And it's funny because I have a Greek last name. And I, this is a terrible thing to say, but even though I'm like pretty Greek, when I see someone has a really Greek name, I kind of tend to not trust them. Is that messed up? <laughs> I don't bit. know why that is. That's a little bit messed up, right? <laughs> hey, we didn't talk about the fact that, you know, Vangelis started with a band in the 60s. You know, he had a band called The Formix and then Aphrodite's Child. And they had an album called 666. And I watched some live performances of them and they were pretty like psychedelic prog pop or something. And it was yeah. it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I even read that that album that you said 666 is actually considered one of like the absolute classic prog albums like hmm. for those people who are like hardcore into you know those dudes who have every dream theater live album like they probably know exactly the album that we're talking about <laughs> i was kind of i i was really taken by he got s accused of plagiarism because of this song i i thought that was kind of cool he he basically went to court and persuaded the judge that a he had no opportunity to hear this other composer's song while he was writing chariots of fire because they came out at approximately the same time but then also that the only sequence that had any similarity was a four chord structure 
of G- F, G, A, and G, which is so common in music that he then showed that he used that chord structure in Aphrodite's Child to say, if anything, he stole that chord structure from me if we're going to play this game. And then the judge was like, all right, no plagiarism. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't go against a guy with a name like that. <laughs> no. no, and I don't know how. I feel like it'd be really hard it seems like every melody is, I mean, chord progressions. Yeah, of course. What chord progression hasn't been used a billion times now, but in even melodies, that's why I'm surprised that like lately I saw that like Olivia Rodrigo had to pay two separate. She had to pay Taylor Swift on one song and Paramore on another. And it's like, yeah, I hear the similarities to it, but like, I'm surprised it was close enough that she was able, I don't know if if she one or if she just said like oh you know what i'll just pay them without I, I don't know how that ended but it's surprising to me that anyone can win those those cases you know there was i i there's two different youtube videos that i remember watching and this was a couple years ago but i know that um legal eagle which is a really great if you're looking for just like explaining the law to you in a simple way legal eagle is probably one of the best channels for it and then uh the needle drop guy both did a video about when katy perry got sued by like a Christian rap artist for like stealing the beat for Roar. And it was like, both of them, their takeaway was like, this is literally an argument about chord structure and the fact that the judge went and said that Katy Perry was being held accountable for plagiarism has just opened a complete Pandora's box where that court case can be utilized for like the tiniest piece of similarity between like, oh, you went from a G to a D well, my song also goes from a G to a D and you must have heard my song. It's like, it's really kind of caused those lawsuits to explode in the last like three or four years, I think. And plus, if, if it was just a judge deciding it, what if that judge has no musical background whatsoever to even understand these concepts? I know? would argue that he most definitely didn't. he's spending all of his time learning the law i don't think he's also breaking down musical theory in his free time i mean my experience with it and i don't know if i've talked about it on here before but punchline has a song called roller coaster smoke and then years later someone sent us this thing and said oh my god watch this and it was a nickelodeon show called shimmer and shine and the theme song to it is roller coaster smoke like it is like and it's a very specific melody it's da 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 it's like not that common of a melody yeah i would say <laughs> and it is like when we heard it we were like what <laughs> and we talked to you know a, a, our lawyer who gives us advice and he was kind of like you know we could go after this but i just don't think that we're gonna you know so of my opinion you're not gonna win you're gonna spend money to like pursue this and you're not gonna win but if you listen to it the show it's called shimmer and shine and you listen to the punchline song which came first it is crazy <laughs> and so my point being that it's probably not that easy to win this kind of stuff and I think that Vangelis is obviously like a uh, whatever you want to call it savant. <laughs> yeah. He is he is very much. I don't think that he was uh, plagiarizing anybody because he didn't. I, I highly doubt he needed to plagiarize anybody. No, probably not. Chris, yeah. Speaking of punchline, I wanted to talk about punchline's own instrumental year long winter. Oh yeah, we had an instrumental or two. I mean, I guess in a way that song, very old school punchline song, but I guess in a way like 
kind of pulled at those same sort of feelings the Chariots of Fire did. I don't know if I'm tooting my own band horn there on that. That's not what I meant to do, but I mean, maybe it's a little bit more of a melancholy mood than Chariots of Fire is more of a epic mood, whereas I think that there's a more of a sadness to Year Long Winter. What do you think? I think they're really similar because it's pretty like, you know, it, it's uplifting too. You know, I can remember when I was younger, just listening to that song like crazy, you know? Nice. Nice, man. Thanks. <laughs> Epic and major, you know? So it's like, they do remind me actually a lot of each other. That's the ultimate compliment, man. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never thought punchline would get compared to Vangelis. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. So when it comes down to it, Vangelis. Did he bring the one-hit thunder or is he a one-hit blunder? Which is such a funny thing to, to try to figure out about this guy. But uh, <laughs> Matt, we'll start with you. What, what do you think? Did, did, he break, did he bring the thunder or is he a, is he a blunder? <laughs> I, I think that it would be inappropriate for us to call him a blunder. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say he was a thunder. He's clearly more musically talented than the three of us combined. <laughs> and well, he put together a really good catchy song that has endured for 40 years. And if you're into like, like, is it my type of music? No, but like he found a niche. He's been doing it since 19. Well, he's been doing music since the sixties, been doing his weird instrumental electronica stuff since 1972 and literally has an album coming out next year. So, you know, Good for him. I I would not want to throw blunder on such a hardworking Greek man who would literally take us to the cleaners <laughs> if he heard us say that he was a blunder. I wonder if he'd take me to the cleaners if he heard that I said that I, I don't really trust him because he's too Greek. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Jeff? This dude bring the thunder? Is he a blunder? Yeah, I think anything that everyone knows and they don't know why mm -hmm. counts. You know, yeah, you got to give it to him. Like whoever wrote happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just uh, picked happy birthday <laughs> yeah i know well he wanted to pick and i i had to put a you know very rarely do i fully put my foot down but he wanted to pick love shack by the b-52s mm. and i was like the b-52s are not a one-hit wonder i will put my yeah. foot down on that i mean i guess rock lobster was kind of a hit what what other what other hits were there man? rome rome yeah yeah rome, rome was like, pretty big um private idaho i think was actually pretty big I have a sneaking suspicion that their cover of the Flintstones theme for the Flintstones movie charted. Yeah, I got to give Vangelis the thunder. It seems like he's, yeah. I mean, for this song alone, getting to number one with an instrumental is such a gigantic feat. And it's a song that everyone knows, even if they don't know. Like when Matt Kelly tells you, hey, we're going to do Vangelis Chariots of Fire. And I'm like, what? And then I turn it on and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. I feel like anyone from age five to 95 knows this song, which is an impressive feat. Yeah. So I think it's thunders all around for Vangelis. Before we go, hey, Jeff, you make music. Will you tell us a little bit about your music? Perfect timing. Uh, what's funny is my song will be, my next song will come out in a few days and it's called Breakaway. And it's about, it has a running theme lyrically. About running? Yes. Nice. Yeah, and, and I'm assuming that we can listen to this song everywhere. Well, what's the name of the song? Breakaway. 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 Is it under your name or is it under a pseudonym? Yeah, that's like the thing with with like uh, my own music. I'm not 
I don't have like a Facebook artist page. Uh, I deny people on Facebook all day. Like, yeah. So I, I just use my name, <laughs> Jeff Wendell. <Yeah. Rundle. laughs> I like when people use their name. Hey man, I'm in a fantasy football league and I use my name. Everyone else has some sort. They try to be funny with the names of our teams. You know what my name is in fantasy football? Chris Fafalius. <laughs> so real quick, for, while we're talking about funny names, just to send us off, I did just look it up. So the B-52's cover of Meet the Flintstones did chart and their name in the movie was the BC-52. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Wow. Hey, thanks for coming on, Jeff. Hey, thank you guys for having me, man. It's been a blast. Hell yeah. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing year-long winter off the Punchline album Major Motion Picture. Visit punchline.com for info on future Punchline shows, releases, and merchandise. Do you want to hear your song on the show, or maybe you have an interest in sponsoring an episode? Contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit WeKnowPodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at OneHitThunderPodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>